Good evening. We're ready to start Maseches Shkalim Daf Gimel, and we are at the top of Daf Gimel Amid Aleph. Um, a lot of words, a lot of material. So let's jump right in. We are on the top line of Gimel Amid Aleph, quoting back to our Mishnah. Our mission on Daf Beis Amid Aleph, as we opened up the Masechta, spoke about what we do on Aleph Adar and on Chavisha Sarba Adar. And on Chamisha Sarba Adar, it said the line that we, um, if you look back at the Mishnah, it says that we're Koran Samagil Bekrachim, which we spoke about. And then it said in the Sakhtin, is Hadrachim is Harachovos Fechulei, and that's what we're going to start out with here. Top line Gimel Amanalaf says the Gemara as follows. The Sakhtin is Hadrachim is Harachovos Vesemikpos Hamayim, Veosin Kol Tzorche Harabim. What are Tzorche Harabim? What is that referring to? So the Gemara says as follows. Eiluhein Tzorche Harabim, three lines down. What do we do on this day, the 15th of? The month of Adar, done in Dine Mamanus Vadine Nefashos. Serious court cases were held on that day, Dine Makos as well. The cases where people were potentially obligated to get the punishment of Makos. Upodin, and they would redeem Erchen Becharam Hekdeshos, three different types of financial commitments and dedications to the Beis Hamikdash. Erchen uh, specifically is that you would give the Erech the value of a particular person, it would a particular math equation. Is it this age, this gender, whatever it would be, and that's how much it would cost. Haram and Menekdesh shows different types of gifts to the Mikdash. What does that mean? Was this the day when all of the sotas were tested? Were there, were there cases adjudicated or, or just discussed on those days? Machlokas, we've shown him here. The Sarfan Esapar, the Paraduma was burned on that day. But Orphan Egla Rufa, had there been a case of an Egla Rufa where uh, there was a person who died between two cities and the land in between was fallow and it was possibly near water, the Egla Rufa, they would break the neck on that day. The rotz in Eved Ibri, if there was a case where an Eved wanted to become a permanent slave, the rota es osnoba marteva avadole olam. That's what the Pasuk says. I think, uh, where is that Mishpatim? I think that's where it is. So then uh, that, that would be the day that they would do that. Umetarin es hametzora. They would do tara samatsora that day. Mufarkin es al me'al gabe hamayim. They used to collect water during the winter months from the rainwater in Eretz Yisrael because. When it comes springtime, there's really no rain for six months, and they had to find a way to make sure that they had, uh, you know, drinkable water for the rest of the year. So what they would do is they would save them in a cistern with a lock. And when it came to the 15th of Adar, right at the beginning of spring, they would open up the locks, and of the brisa of what it means, that was done on the 15th of, of Adar. Very busy day. Very, very busy day. A court case is right and left. Uh, a whole a very dramatic scene. Taman Taninan, same as Tanan Hasam. We have a Mishnah over there. This Mishnah is found in Maseches Moed Katan. And this Mishnah, Maseches Moed Katan, was discussing Sukkot. We are discussing right before Pesach. This was discussing Sukkot. So what's the question? Says the Gemara, Mashkin Beisashlach, and you were allowed to irrigate during Cholamoid. Umetzayin al haKvaros. And you would be Metzayin, you'd make a mark of where the Kvaros were. But that's strange because the Gemara says, Lo Kvar Tzayin, Adar. What about Me'adar? What about our Mishnah? If you look back in our Mishnah, we spoke about this already that it says in our Mishnah that uh, you were Mitzayin in Esachlaros. So why does it have to be twice a year? You said it in Moed Katan, and you're saying it here again. By Moed Katan, we were talking about uh, Sukkot time. And here we're talking about Pesach time, yet it seems to that, that both would need to be the case. Says the Gemara, but pater, from the Hebrew word Pitarim, what's the solution here? We're talking about a time where there was a huge uh, landslide of rain, and it wiped away the limestone, which they used, to create these mark these demarcations to indicate where the base akvaros were, where the bodies were in particular. We'll see in a minute a little bit more detail, but some of the Rishonim write that the reason why we use limestone is because if you've ever seen limestone, it has this white kind of textured look to it. And according to some Rishonim, it looks like bone. <laughs> 
is a little bit of a, of a, of a detailed comparison to say the least. And what the Gemara was saying was that we were concerned uh, that the Kohanim might mistake where they are. So we wanted to make sure that they knew that this place, lime, looks like the bone. And therefore that was the type of marker that they used. So then we're going to get into that in a little bit. But the Gemara asks another question from Moed Katan. In Moed Katan, what else does it say? The two dots, 10 lines down, Gimel Amadalev, the, the, the Mishnah in Moed Katan writes, quoted here, you also go out for the Kilaim. What do you mean? We had that in our Mishnah. They already went out to check on the Kilaim in the month of Adar. Why is it happening again later in the year? Says the Gemara, how do we solve this problem? It was a dark year, quote unquote. The growth in Adar was not noticeable in such a year when the growth in Adar is not noticeable. You got to go out many months later to make sure that there's no key line. And that's how we explain that. How do we know? Let's see. How do we know, we know that we need to make a marker uh, for the Kohanim to uh, to not uh, become Tamei Meis? We know that they can't become Tamei Meis. That's Pasha. That those are Pesukim and Chumash. That for sure we know. But we have to make an effort on our own. What's our Hishtadlis to make sure that the Kohanim are safe? So our cemeteries are particularly Mesudar. Um, you know, if there's a, a need for a coin to be there, they can stand outside. The pathways are very clear if, as long as it's been a place that's uh, been taken care of. So whatever the case may be, I, I know that there are Kohanim here in the community who have officiated at, at uh, funerals before standing outside. Fine, because it's very clear. But what about back in the day where, you know, we're, we're, we're below the frost line, we're six feet down, we're making sure that the bodies don't move that much. But back in the day, it wasn't like that. You know, nowadays they're in very heavy metal uh, caskets in addition to the pine box. It says a lot of weight. It's not going anywhere. It's not very far at least. So where does that obligation come from? There's two different approaches in the Gemara. Here's approach number one, Rebbe Brachia. And Rebbe Yaakov Bar Bas Yaakov, Rebbe Yaakov, the son of the daughter of Yaakov. Uh, the Rishonim here point out, we saw this once in another Masechta that Rebbe Yaakov's father was not worth mentioning. So he was referred to as the son of the daughter of the grandfather, which was his own namesake, but he was named after someone who wasn't so Gishmak. Um, he was named after someone Gishmak. His father was not Gishmak, apparently. And that was Bishem Rebbe Chunya Divras uh, Chivrin, who was from that place of Divras Chivrin, and Rebbe Yosa. And Amri La, some say it was other people. Rebbe Yaakov Bar Acha Bishem Rebbe Chunya Divras Chivrin, Rebbe Chizkia, Rebbe Uziel Berei, the Rebbe Chunya Divras Chivrin, Bishem Rebbe Chunya Divras Chivrin, whoever was the author of the following comment. Remember our question? How do we know that we're obligated to make it soon? That we're obligated to make a, a, a very clear indicator of where a mace lies? So it says the Gemara, it's based on a Pasuk, tame tame yikra. That's what a Pasuk says in regards to, to, to a Tarua. I'll read the whole Pasuk. We should say about him, he's tame. Why were we saying about him, he's a tame? Because we don't want him to be matame other things. People will keep a distance. Fine, very good. So then the same idea applies here. People will say, get away. So we're extrapolating from the world of Tsarua to the world of Tuma. Why the Tsiyun? Because we want people to be careful. We want we want to make sure that the Kohanim are not, there's a hundred nafkaminas, but the one that's going to be practical for today is to be Sorek Truma. We know, of course, that a coin is allowed to eat Truma, but we don't want to have to be Sorek Truma. If Truma becomes Tame, that's a problem. If it becomes Tame, we have to burn it. But we don't want it to become Tame. So let's say that someone's buried on the side of the road, which back in the day may not have been so uncommon. I don't know what the standards were. You know, the pictures of old that we've all seen in the movies is that there are these little uh, synagogues with a little, you know, with a little, uh, with a little cemetery behind. I don't know how prevalent that was historically in the times of the Gemara, but based on uh, the Shnei Shvilim case that we're all familiar with, that we know there was a mace buried right across the road. We've got, had a number of cases in Shah so far 
So it was not a very Masudar type of burial. So we want to make sure that the Kohanim don't become Tame or that the Truma that they're carrying doesn't become Tame. Uh, and then it would then need to be burned. That's answer number one. Answer number two, one third of the way down. Rav Ila, B'Shem, Rav Shmuel Bar Nachman. It's because of a Pasuk. We see that there's a person there, there's bone there. Uh, and we should build next to it a marker. Now let's analyze each uh, many parts of the Pasuk. Etzem, when you see the bone, what does that mean? If you see a bone, mikan she mitzayin al Once you see a bone that's there, you're obligated straight up. You see a bone there, you should uh, find some lime right away, limestone, and just paint the, paint a picture for the Kohanim to know what's going on. Next word in the pasuk that we're going to analyze, adam mikan she mitzayin al hashidra v'hagulgolas. This is a the big discussion in the Rishonim. Um, we know that etzem kisaura is uh, whatever the sheer mark for for uh, Tumas Mace, but what's considered a mace? So some of the Rishonim write that it's when the spine and the skull are intact, some say even when they're not intact, but together, one or the other, big shitas, big machlokas in the Rishonim there, and that's how we would define an Adam, uh, by a shidra and gogolas, by the spine and by the skull. Uvanan, what you should do is you should build mikan shemitzayin in al-gabe evin kavua. One should make a marker on a stone that's kavua, that's stuck in the ground. The Gemara here um, uh, uh, emphasizes this point a little bit further. Had it been that it was different, that it was, we were talking about a loose stone, well, that would not be a good idea. Because then if it's a loose stone, well, then the stone's going to move. It's going to have the limestone marking on it, and people are going to think there's a mace under there. And then you're going to be so rif truma without any good reason at all. So you should not be putting limestone on a loose, on a loose kever. I remember many years ago when I was in Poland, I went on uh, March of the Living, I went twice to Poland, and we spent a while in uh, the Warsaw Cemetery cleaning up. It was disgusting. It was a whole, it was a bizarre, it was a mess. And there were, so a lot of the tombstones were fallen over or pushed over, I don't know whichever one it was. So there you cannot start putting markers on it of the limestone because that, we, we make an assumption that underneath that is a mace. If you're a coin holding truma, you're going to be sorry truma with no good reason at all. There's no mace everywhere. It had to be bad and kavua, and that was the, that's this piece of the pasuk. The pasuk continues about ten lines before the second mishnah. It says the gemara et slow. What does it mean et slow? Lemakom tahara. We put the marker in a place where itself is tahor. Underneath that marker itself really is tahor. It's the uh, the beginning of the tahara place. So let's say that uh, my uh, you know, the right side of the Gemara is a mace. So then they'd make the marker just outside the mace area so that if you stood over that, in theory, we'll see later that we, this is not Lemaisa. But that, that is what the Pasuk says, that at slow, we really should try to put it um, so that the person would be Tahor, that the coin would be Tahor if he stood by that marker. Uh, next part of the Pasuk says, Theon, that you should be making a mark, Mikan sign. So this whole Pasuk is basically indicating it's a second answer to our question. The first answer to our question was from the Tzaruah, Tamei Tamei. We need to make sure that all the Kohanim know that this is a place where there's a mace. And because this is a place where there's a mace, you should be careful. We don't want to burn Shuma necessarily. And the second answer is based on a Pasuk. And this is the Dion and the Rishonim, um, because uh, the first answer seems to possibly even indicate a, a Din Doraisa, quoting a Pasuk in Chumash. And the second one is not a Pasuk in Chumash. Where is this second Pasuk from? Let's just get the quote here. I don't think it's a Chumash. It's in Yechezkel. So the first Pasuk is here. Some Rishonim hold that there may be a, a Din Doraisa. We know, of course, that there's a mitzvah to bury a person. That's for sure true. Um, and is this a part of that? So the Rishonim are done in this particular case. And let's talk about um, a few applications of the Halachos that we've just learned. What if you find one stone that is, is in fact marked? marked? 
So we should fear that it's on top of the body. Even though we don't normally keep a stone on top of the body, if one was under uh, an umbrella that also was over this stone, what is my concern? That it was just put in the wrong place. So so much for the, the drasha of Etzlo, that wherever you put the mark is takatah, or that's not, that doesn't seem to be the case. We are halakhically concerned about that, and that's quoted in, in the Rambam. Um, if there were two, if there were two stones, one on seemingly each side of the kever, so then then to be to be ma'ahil to have a tent over to have an ohel over the stone and you on the other side is a coin, that would be fine because there's two. So the implication is that the mace is in the middle. Very good. Tahor and then in between, that would be a problem if you were in between the stones. But if there's two stones as as markers, and we can assume that there's no mace under them and that the mace is in between them. And had it been that there was plowing that was done in between the two stones and there was no mace to be found, then then the connection between these two is now separated, it's severed, and each one is treated like we started a few lines ago. It's like one stone, and tahor. Uh, tahor, excuse me. In between the two stones would be tahor because we checked. We just plowed the ground there, so we know that there's no mace there. tame, and are surrounding it, the, meaning each of those stones underneath that, or al Some of them, a portion right here, that in fact would be tame because each of the stones would be treated in isolation. They're no longer connected because they plowed in between, and there was no mace in between. And then says the Gemara, fascinating line: Mitzayin al habasar. We do not make a line of demarcation of where the mace is based on flesh. Afalpi, the when there's a kazayas of flesh, that it's matame, but we don't make the line of demarcation based on flesh. It says the Gemara, Shemanis Akel Abasar, because in due time, that's the way the world works, in due time, the basar will be Nis Akel, the flesh of the mace will decompose and it will no longer be there. So it says the Gemara, Reb Yutta Bar Shunam, Ba'a Kumi Rev Mana, Reb Yusta, the son of Shunam, Ba'a asked a question, Kumi in front of Rev Mana, Velo Nimta, Metame Taros Lamafreya, that's a big problem. If you don't put the line of demarcation by the flesh, then let's say a Kohen is holding true and he walks over the flesh, but not over the bone. So that's a big problem because today, before the decomposition, then you should be tummy. Then the then the the the, uh, the truma should be tmeya. It says the Gemara, what's his response? He says, You're right that it could cause for problems. You're right. Is that if you walk over the flesh and it's a kazai's buster, that could be a problem. But that's short term, because once the flesh decomposes, we're going to be back to the bones being, and that takes much, 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 much longer to decompose. Uh, that's going to be a whole different story. And uh, therefore, says the Gemara, that uh, we would rather focus on the long term, which is uh, placing the lines of demarcation by the skeleton itself and not by the flesh, because the flesh will go away. Afalpi, that you're right, that there's a small chance that a calling could bring chuma right over the fleshy areas and not over the skeleton itself, in which case... Uh, yeah, the truma should have been burnt, but this would be pre uh, preferred. Halfway down, Daf Gimel Amid Aleph, Halacha Beis, and a new Mishnah. Amar Yehuda Berishona Hayu Okrinu Mashlichin Lifnehen. This is a discussion about Kilayim. In the beginning, what would happen is when people were to go check in the fields. Let's say that someone goes into your field and there was some Kilayim. So what they would do is they would tear out uh, the Kilayim and uh, and solve the problem. Mishirabu Over Avera. And people started enjoying this as we'll see in the Gemara. Great, thank you for weeding out my problems. You did my work for me. I don't have to garden today. You did everything I needed to do. Garden my kilayim. So Misharabu over Then they would throw it out in the street. 
Um, and still people didn't mind that either. And then finally, Finally, the Chachamim took the power into their own hands to be mafkir, the whole Sada. This is a principle in Halacha called Hefker Bezdin Hefker, that a Bezdin has a power to be mafkir someone's properties. We'll see today in the Gemara Mar Mekomos for that. How do we know that the Chachamim have the power to say Hefker Bezdin Hefker? That's a huge amount of power to say that someone's private property is Hefker. That's, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> Think about that. That's my house. It's like, you know, the government, legally, they like take a lien if I don't pay my taxes. Like they, they take something of mine. So there's a halachic system for that as well. And it could be just as simple as you violating a din of kilayim. And then in such cases, hefker bez and hefker. Then we'll discuss that a, a very shortly. Will that, will that be anything like eminent domain? I don't know what that means. Eminent domain? The government takes over your house. They take your property. I, I guess, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not holding. I guess so. I'm hearing from others. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. So the Gemara here opens up four lines into the new section of the Gemara here, halfway down. Amar Rebbe Yehuda. What did Rebbe Yehuda? Rebbe Yehuda was the opening of our Mishnah. So it says the Gemara as follows. Tani, Amar Rebbe Yehuda. There's another Brisa that gives a little more color, a little more detail than what our Mishnah says. Our Mishnah said that Barishona in the beginning, they would just tear out the Kilaim. And then the second phase of our Mishnah said that they would throw it on the street. And the third case was Hefker, Bez, and Hefker. So here the Gemara explains what's going on. Tani, Amar Rabbi Yehuda Berishona, Hayu and they would tear it out and throw it in front of the Balabas and saying, you're, what, you're, not, uh, you're not taking care of your garden. You can't have Kilaya Kerem, that's Aser. So then, the Balabatim were thrilled. Thank you so much for coming over. <laughs> you just did all my work for me. What was that? They would come in and they would tear out all the bad parts of their field, make it halachically viable again. And as well, these kilayim, you're allowed to have hanaf from kilayim. They give it to their animals as feed. Whatever the case may be, they were thrilled about it. When people realize this is gishmak, all I have to do is grow a little kilayim. Bezdin's going to send over some inspectors and they're going to do all the work for me. This is great. But still, even when people would throw it in the street, they were still happy. They're still weeding out the kilayim from my field and I don't have to do all the work. This is great. This is great. Hiskinu, finally, the Chachamim put into place. Finally, it reached the point where people who were over Avera, where they were really pushing the limits of Kilaim. So under those circumstances, the halacha is that we that the Chachamim were, then had the power to be mafkir kol hasadakula to say, you no longer own your own field. Anyone can come take from your field. Anihim, whoever it is, it's Hefker, it's Mama Shefker. Anyone can take it. So again, that's a very powerful halachic mechanism, and we are going to get into that. It says the Gemara, two-thirds of the way down. How do we know that that's true? And we'll see two different approaches in the Gemara today. Number one, a pasuk. the Pasuk says, The wise ones will be They'll make you ownerless over your property. How do we know that uh, in such a case you'd be putter from Miser? Well, if you don't own your property, you're not obligated in Miser. How do we know that the Chachamim can go quite that far? Says the Gemara, because Rabbi Yonasan Bered Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Acha Shama La Min Hada. He heard that it's from here. When we were following Shemitah, the halacha was that you could not be Ma'aber the Shana. You could not add in a second Adar in the year of Shemitah itself. 
And you also could not add one in in the year after Shemitah. So year seven, and then again, year one in the next cycle, uh, year seven of the Shemitah cycle and year one in the next cycle. So again, if you're starting from year zero, so year, year seven and eight cannot be Ma'aber uh, Shonu. However, if you if you in fact if the bez and taka did you shouldn't have, but if you did, so then we see that it actually works. Now we're going to develop this idea as follows: What happens in a year of shemitah? You don't own your field. Well, you don't own your field, so then you don't have to pay meiser. What happens when the chachamim put in another month in that year? They added a thirteenth month of adar. You have to pay, you have to give meiser on that thirteenth month. No, no, it's bichlal the rest of the year. So if what we're saying is that in the shnas shemitah that bidiyavid, if in fact the Chachanan tried to institute an Ibor Shana, that it works, so that shows you that you can add a 13th month to a year. So instead of it being a year of 12 months where there's no bylam over the property and no miser, they added a 13th month. So we see the Chachanan can add a month and there's no miser. Beautiful. That's what the Gemara says right here. The Gemara says, See, everyone and everyone would agree to that, that if you were in fact Ma'abr Shana, once the Brisa allows bidiyavid, for the Chachamim to add an, an extra Adar in, in a Shemitah year when you do not own the property. So you're going to be Pater that year. So therefore we see that this is all part of that picture of Hefker, Bez, and Hefker, that in that scenario, um, the uh, extra month would be Pater from Maestros. So Ad Kedon Shviz, that explains, Ad Kedon Shviz, that explains the, the year of Shviz as to why uh, why we don't want to do it. We don't want to make the year any longer. What about the eighth year, the first year of the next cycle? What's wrong with that year? So Amar Rabbi Abahu, Rabbi Bon, because if you add another month of Adar, then the uh, the flower prior to the Korban HaOmer, which takes place on Tess Zion of Nisan, so then that is going to be pushed off another 30 days. So then you're limiting people from flower access. So big discussion in the post game about Chadash and Chadash and Yashan and Chutz It's that's a discussion. Um, as one of my rabbis said before, you're makbid on, um, maybe you should be makbid on, uh, on uh, Chal of Stam and Chal of Yisrael. But before you do that, you should really work on Chadash and Yashan. That's a much bigger halachic issue than, uh, than, you know, than the issues of Chal of Yisrael. Either way, that was the concern about Motzei Shviz about that next year. You've already limited everyone's crop, halacha limited everyone's crop for the Shemitah year. And in the next year, they've been waiting so long to take advantage of their food. It's not nice to be ma'aber shana in the first year after a Shemitah cycle. Let people get to the Yashan quicker. The Hakrabas Omer on Tez Zayin Nisan will be pushed off a month if you had another Adar. Don't do that 30 days earlier. That's why we don't do it. That is uh, that is answer number one. Rabbi Zi'ira B'Shem Rabbi Lazar that which you just said, there was a time when Rabbi Huda Nasi would not allow for um, fruit or vegetables from Chutzlar to be brought into Eretz Yisrael because outside of Eretz Yisrael, people were not makbed on burial plots and they were not makbed on burial in general the way that uh, they should have been. We were afraid that the dirt of Eretz Yisrael would have a dinder abundant status this was, in fact, the case, and we saw this earlier in Shas as well, that there was a dinter abundant status on the dirt of Eretz Yisrael. So for, for a long time, apparently, Rebbe did not allow for vegetables to come. And under those circumstances, that's when we said that in the Motzei Shemitah year and the first year of the next cycle of Shemitah, that's where we had said that the Chadash was a problem. But once Rebbe was lenient, once Rebbe uh, undid his Yisr der and allowed for uh, veg vegetation and vegetables to be imported to Eretz Yisrael. So then he shviz, he, he she'ar she'nei shivua. Then that first year of the next cycle is like any other year. 
um, no problem at all. Honey, ain me'abrin. We said that you're not allowed to be me'aber. Amar Revmana that which you said about Ein Me'abrin, that was that's when the years worked out nicely and all of the crops were, were grown by the time we got to Adar. Not clear from the Gemara why this is the case, but apparently all of the vegetation wasn't ready to go at this time in history. Uh, maybe it's because their calendar wasn't well oiled like ours is. So like we're pretty predictable. Like, you know, we can look at our calendar endlessly and we'll know exactly what they, but it was really not Pasha back in the day. I mean, Ma'aber Shana this year, it wasn't so clear as we just saw. We saw, we don't even know. Shemitah years, two years in a row, you can't be Ma'aber Shana. You're going to be off a long time because the lunar calendar, the months move faster because the lunar year is shorter. So the year completes before another year which means that uh, all of the calendar is going to be off a little bit. So basically at this time in history, that the vegetation is not ready. So then he shvis, he she'ar, the same type of argument that we gave above about Rebbe's limitation, about bringing in vegetation, importing vegetation from Chutzar, it's here too. We would treat that first year after Shemitah like all other years. Tani shel Gamliel And in fact, because of this, Rabbi Gamliel was of the opinion that on Motze Shviz, for that next year, they would instantly be Ma'aber Shana for, the, for that next year. And here is another approach. If you are learning from this, and you cannot learn anything from it. Why? Because Because there... That's based on psukim. Everything is every every all the timing there was based on psukim shomrehu. We need to make sure that our crops are protected. that the food should be ready by the time Nissan rolls around. That has nothing to do with svara. That has to do with uh, with with agricultural uh, clock. So says Gemara. If that's true, v'hayda amarda amreda. Where then do we learn the halacha uh, that we were trying to learn here about hefker bez and hefker? Says the Gemara. It's from the following because uh, we have the halacha that says as follows: Gadish. If you have a pile of food, um, that where the owner did not allow for poor people to collect the leket, so then there was a slap on the wrist. The halacha was that kol hanogos Then, more than what the regular leket would have been that an ani could have collected, if you're not really following the halacha, you didn't enable the anim to come in and collect the leket, so then the halacha is that the pile that you made on top of the leket, every piece that's touching the ground now becomes leket. That's Hefker, Bezdin, Hefker, right? That's Hefker. The Bezdin said that that food now belongs to Anim. So it says the Gemara of Amar Rabbi Ami, turning to the top of Gimel on the base. Is that right? Amar Rabbi Ami, B'Shem, Rabbi Shem, Ben Lakish, Debeis Shamahi. That works only according to Beis Shamai. So if you look at the Korban Ha'eda on the top line toward the end, uh, in the long Dibur Hamaskal of Hachi Garcina de Beishamai. So ba- in the actual text of the Korban Ha'ida, he writes, Bachi Perush Mas Nisan, Asya Ke Beishamai. What does Beishamai hold? De Amar Hefker Le Anim Hefker. If you're, if you're mafkir something only to Anim, that's still considered Hefker. But it's not true for the other vegetation. Basil says, no, you can't do that. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Continues the Korban Ha'ida, Lufikach Turmina Maisar, Abal Ke Beishilel, Ain Lo Din Leket. It, no, you can't do that. You cannot convert only some of the food to, to be for poor people. Hefker aniyim is not hefker, according to, Be, to Beis Hillel. So that's a machlokas in the Tanaim. So back in the Gemara, Diki Beis Hillel, aniyim ochlinu ma'aser. No, it's not hefker. They have to be ma'aser. You can, you're not just being mafker like Beis Shammai says. 
says, no, that's not really true. Even according to base Hillel, that it would be Hefker Bez and Hefker in such a case. Why? According to everyone, because everyone agrees that there's a Knas here. What's the Knas? The knas is hefker bez and hefker. You were not sensitive as a balabais to allow for the anim to come in for the leket, and therefore you get a slap on the wrist that the whole pile is hefker bez and hefker. And this is the second possibility from where we learn hefker bez and hefker. And again, the first approach was we learned from the world of Shemitah. We said in, uh, in Shemitah year, you can add a month. How can you add a month? If you add a month, there's no miser that you're hefker, best and hefker. And the Gemara doesn't like that reason because no, that was just a question of, uh, of agricultural timing. And therefore they rejected that and took this secondary approach of Beishamai Beishelo, the knas of someone who does not appropriately give out their leket. And because of hefker, best and hefker, um, therefore the poor people can have it. And that brings us back to our Mishnah where we started, which was to say that when it comes to Kilayim, just to tie this up in a bow, that when it comes to kilayim, the chachamim do have the power to be mafkir other people's properties yeah. under the appropriate circumstances. And then when you look back at halacha base where we started, we said that they were mafkir and kol asadeh. All of that was done with appropriate guidelines. They had the latitude from a halachic perspective, just like beishamai and beishelo, but the knas to take away the property of others. So the pros become hefker, but then part of the land, not anyone So. Uh, no, separate sugyas. We learn from Beis Shammai about the Leket, and we learn from that story that because they gave a knas, in that case of Leket, unrelated to Kilai, in the case of Leket, because the, the owner got a slap on the wrist for not allowing Anim to come get Leket, and Hefker Bez and Hefker, we see that Hefker Bez and Hefker works. Now, that's our Mari Makom, that's our precedent in Halakha to say that Hefker Bez and Hefker works. That explains how our Mishnah allowed us to say to some guy who was not Makbed on Kilai, Hefker Bez and Hefker. We're just learning from the case of Leket. Case of Leket wasn't a case of Kilai. The question is, is sealed to come after, practically speaking, could anyone eat from Kilai? No, but you can get Hana from Kilai. So people could take it and give it to their animals. Right. And they were no longer, the Bailam had no rights so, over it at all. Still owns the field, owns the pasture? That's a good question. Uh, what, what, is, uh, what is the case? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's the land. I'm just guessing. I don't think it's the land. I presume it's the produce. Not 100% sure, but I, I'm just hey, against it. Correct. That's, uh, that, that's true. I, just, I don't know how they did it. Was it a achraza in public? And it was an onslaught of all the poor people to the, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know how it played out. On the 15th of that month, Shulchanos, there were the, the money managers, there were people to collect um, uh, all of the shkalim. The on the 25th of the month of Adar, remember the deadline was Aleph Nisan, just five days later, six days later, Yashvu B'Mikdash, they were in the Mikdash. When it comes to the time where they were sitting in the Mikdash, by the 25th of the month, fifth of the month, so all the slackers who had yet to give in their chatzis shekel, they had, they had yet to do their job, so then then they were forcing people to give it up. Who were they forcing to give up? So it says the Gemara, Levim v'Yisraelim, a clear omission of Kohanim. We're going to discuss that at length today. The Geirim, v'Avadim Shukhrarim, freed Avadim. Aval, lo nashim v'Avadim v'Avadim but not women, not Avadim v'Naktanim. But the Cholkatan Shehischil Aviv Lishkol Al Yado, had there been a child for whom the father used to give Machtis Shekel, once he started that, so then Shuvein Oposek, he should not then stop giving on behalf of his child. Ein Mamashkin and Esa Kohanim, 
However, when it comes to Kohanim, this Tanakama seems to hold that there is a Chiyuv on Kohanim to give, but we're not Mamashkin. We don't force, we don't twist their arms to make sure that they pay. We, we ask that they pay. We want them to pay. They should pay, but they are, we're not going to push them. The Gemara is going to argue on this point of Darkei Ashalom. Why doesn't Darkei Ashalom apply to everybody? Darkei Ashalom is just treating people nicely. Whether the only, only Kohanim get that covered? Is that the mitzvah of the Kiddashto, the Kohen has to get the first Aliyah? What, what, what is going on here? We'll see in the Gemara a little bit about this. Well, they work there, so that's why they feel they're a little uh, entitled. It, it's not that the, what the Kohanim feel. It's to, it's the, the financial people who would say, you, you're obligated to pay. Of course, they, they may feel, we'll see. What you're saying is hinted to a little bit in the price, a little bit lower. We'll get there shortly. So says the Gemara, let's get into the Machlokas about Kohanim. We're in the Mishnah here, about uh, 10 lines down. On Gimel Amid Bey, says the Mishnah, Amr of Yehuda, Hei'id ben Bukhri b'yavne, kol koin sheshokel, eno chotev. A koin gives of the shekel. If he gives his machzitz shekel, it's not an avera. What does that mean? It means that he has no chiyuv to give the machzitz shekel. However, Amar lo Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai, the great Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Loki, that's not correct. If he doesn't give the shekel, then he's a chote. So machlokes in the tanaim, do we say that the coin is or is not obligated in machzis shekel? Ella, what says Rabbi Yochanan Matzake? What was going on? Says the Gemara Shakohanim Dorshin Mikra Zela Atzman. The Kohanim looked at the following pasuk and they looked at it Atzman from their own lens. There's a discussion here. Was this done with malice? Was it where they just really, really thought this was shot in the pasuk? Whatever the case may be, here's the Pasuk. If there is a Kohen who gives of his own money, so it should not be eaten. So they're looking at the Pasuk and they're like, well, if we're playing a role, is our donation private? Is our donation public? Are we really part of the Tzibor as regular people? Are we not part of the Tzibor as regular people? Is this a private donation? So because of that, they said it must be and it can't be that we're, that we're, we're obligated. It says the Gemara, in the Mashkin Esaktanim, we said that we, we don't force children to give. However, but we do ask children to give. We ask that children be represented by a Chatsi Shekel. So it says the Gemara, when is that true? Hadad the Tamar, that which we said that we are Toveya, that we ask a Katan to give. That's not when he's five years old, it's not when he's six years old. It's only B'Shehevi Shte Se'aros. One of the Simone Gadlus, one of the Simone Bagras, that a child who has two pubic hairs, that child is considered to be a gadol of sorts. There's big shilas about this in halacha, let's say for the Kriya Satora, which is the Oraisa Parsha Zachor, uh, is a, a, someone who, a boy who's Yud Gimel Yom Viomechat, but he doesn't have Shtei Se'oros. So let's say he's, he doesn't have any pubic hair at all. Can he lane? Is he considered a gadol mamish? So here we're saying that, that we're only Toveya, we only ask a katan when he's under the age of Chiyuv. But he is, is hevishte se'aros. So aval im lo hevishte se'aros lo beda. He is not a part of this halacha. Well, emashkin ain memashkin memashkinin, and we said that we don't force him to pay. Afal pisha hevishte se'aros. We don't force him to pay, even if he has se'aros. We do ask him to, but we don't force him to. So the Rishonim here points out that when it comes to developing children, there are a number of phases. Before the child is hevishte se'aros, nothing. Once the child is Hevi Se'aros and he's not yet Bar Mitzvah, so then we, once the child is Hevi Se'aros, then we are Toveya. Um, but, uh, says the Gemara, that we don't force him to give. And the Rishonim here points out until he's 20. Until the child is 20 years old, we're not Mamashkin. This has a Mari Malcolm later in the Gemara today, which indicates that only when the people were uh, were counted as the Pikudim, like the 
right? That we say that if you're between 20 and 60, so that's how we counted Klal Yisrael, but the men age 20 to 60, 600, 3,550 by the, by Harsina, we counted only age 20. So that's implied here as well. So you're Hatsina. eligible for the army. Right, uh, right, exactly. For the halachic army, yes. Keni Masnisan, yes. the machlokis here, what does Keni mean? Anyways, there's a similar Mishnah to our Mishnah that says, Ein Mimashkin in the Sakohanim. What did we say in our Mishnah? We, say, we said, Dark What does it say here? Totally different answer. And this was, I, I foreshadowed this a little bit. The Dark Yashalom applies to everybody, but there is a special din of Kavod that Taka does apply to a coin. So this is um, it's a divergent approach to our Gemara, to our Mishnah, which said that it was because of Dark Shalom. We're not focusing on Dark Shalom here. Here we're going to be focusing on Derech Kavod. Two dots, middle of the page. Amr of Yehuda, of Yehuda said, Hey, he said that Ben Bukhri of Yavne had said that a coin is potter. Uh, says the Gemara halfway down, Gemalam and Beis, Amr of Brachia. Haimadur of Yochanan ben Zakai, Zei Tanu, the Pasuk says Zei Tanu, Gematria, Zion plus Hei, 12. Yud Beis Shvatim Yitnu, all 12 Shvatim. The Kohanim were part of Shevet Levi. All 12 Shvatim have to give. So uh, that, that is the Shita of Rav Yochanan ben Zakai, who argues on Rav Yehuda. Rav Yochanan ben Zakai said, he's a chote if he doesn't give the shekel. He's obligated to, whether or not we force him to is a din and kavod, but that's a separate shaila. He still is a bar chayuva. He's obligated to give because of Zed, Zayin and Hay, all 12 of the, of the Shvatim. Isn't all the, the Kalim is for a population count? So. It was, it, but it also was for Kapara. And, and if they're going to bring korbanos of the parashas of the korbanatami, then you want it to be yote. So afalpi that you're a coin. It should count for you too. The fact that you're working there doesn't solve the problem. If you want kapara, you have to be giving in. You have to pony up. So that's, it, it, yes, it was also, it, was, it had a double purpose for sure. But one of them was kapara. And without that, yeah, the korbanatami wouldn't help you. Reb Tavi b'shem Rav Hamnuna, kein meshivin chachamim. How would the chachamim answer the Reb Yochanan ben Zakai? What would they say? Chatas yachid mesa. Ein chatas tzibur mesa. So the halachos are different for a chatas yachid and for a chatas tzibur. Minchas hayachid kreva kalil. Ve'ein minchas tzibur kreva kalil. What we were concerned about is that they were going to give with the wrong intentions because the halachos are different for a minchas yachid versus a minchas tzibur. It's very difficult for the kohen to give with this selflessness that it's only for the tzibur without any personal intent, and that might have an impact on the korban. Says the Gemara, there's a side problem with this. And that is as follows, because if you uh, look at this, it says, this is not a problem for Rabbi Yehuda, because Vikasha, the, the source that you just raised as a question, doesn't make sense. You're asking a question against uh, Rabbi Yehuda, but he doesn't even agree with the premise of your question, because he holds not like you. It's not in the Mishnah writes, Your whole argument was the difference between Rabbi Huda is entirely not on the same page. You're arguing from a Mari Makam that he doesn't even agree with. But without even bothering to answer that, the Gemara goes back to its question. It says, What would Rabbi Huda answer? This is not really going to be a Nidvas Yachid. The problem is that the Kohanim are not going to be giving in a pure-hearted way. Maybe it's not possible to give purely for the Tibor when you're when you're one of the Kohanim. Maybe it's hard. How would Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai answer? No, we just assume halachically speaking that once you give for the Tibor, your own intentions are not going to be the overriding factor. The primary factor is that you gave to the Tibor, so that counts. 
Steve, the Pasuk writes, called Ha'uver la Pikudim. This was also something that I mentioned a little bit earlier. What does it mean, called Ha'uver la Pikudim? This is a machlokes. Rabbi Yehud of Rav Nechemia. Ta'ad Amar, called Ha'uver biyama yitain. Anyone who left in the yam, who, who crossed through the yamsu, they're the ones who are obligated to give in the shekel, namely everybody, even the Kohanim. Uh, what, that, that, that would be, of course, a more inclusive shita. Vicharna, the other one, Omar, he says, kol avar al pikudaya yitain. Anyone who's going to be uh, counted in the pikudim, which is above the age of 20. Mada Omar, kol avar biyama yitain, misayah ben zakai. The one who says that everyone who walks through, that's a shita Rav Yochanan ben zakai. And manda Omar, kol avar al pikudaya yitain, uh, that anyone who is of, of age should give, that's Misayel ben Bukhri, that's like the Shita ben Bukhri, who says that not everyone was necessarily included in the requirement of the Mahdi Tashakel. We'll stop here at Halacha Dalad, and we'll pick up in your Tashem tomorrow night. I'm hopeful to do a blot and a half tomorrow, uh, in which case on Shabbos, we'll also do a blot and a half, and it'll be evened out for Friday. There is a chance that that won't happen, and if that's the case, then we'll be uh, a little bit behind until after, the, after Pesach. Um, throughout the first, uh, throughout the uh, Yantip of Pesach, all three days will be one hour before Mincha. I think it's in the 540s each of those three days, something along those lines. Um, and if anything significant changes, I will post in the WhatsApp group and let you know. Wishing you all a beautiful day. Hey, on, uh, 